Welcome to the How to Code Well podcast, a show all about web development and programming. My name is Peter Fisher. I am a freelance web and mobile applications developer. Hello coders, today we're going to be talking about the Drupal content management system. I'm joined today by Oliver Davies. Oliver is a senior developer at Microserve, a freelancer, a member of the Drupal Association. Oliver is also a documentation maintainer and a webmaster at Drupal.org, plus a co-organizer at Drupal Bristol, the PHP Southwest user group and Drupal Camp Bristol. Hi Oliver, how are you doing? Very well, Peter. Thanks so much for having me on the uh, podcast. No worries. No worries. Did you have a, a good week? It's been a long week, uh, seemingly. Yeah, the kids are back in school uh, this week. It's half term last week. So it's been getting back into the swing of things. Good, good, good. So you're a maintainer at uh, Drupal.org. What does that involve? Uh, so initially, I used to work for on Drupal.org as part of the Drupal Association. I was on staff of the association uh, a few years ago, mm-hmm. working on uh, new features and developer tools on Drupal.org. Uh, and then when I left, I sort of wanted to carry on being able to do some of that. Um, so there's a volunteer webmaster uh, team mm-hmm. that I sort of volunteered to be part of. Uh, it's just, you know, I guess with sort of spam in, in the forums just and maintaining sort of the running of the site rather than developing sort of new features for it. Cool. So that was just a way of me trying to sort of stay involved and keep sort of giving back. So you you also do the doc. You also help with the documentation, right? So how does that when when new features come in? How do you how do you handle uh, documenting those features? Uh, so I maintain certain subsections to the documentation, uh, like PHP requirements is one of them. Uh, some of the automated testing documentation. Mm. Uh, so I've got to sort of set areas to cover, um, as well as sort of documenting my own sort of modules and themes that I'm releasing as well. So uh, it's, again, very much a community-driven thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll get sort of comments on the documentation that you know, this needs to be changed or this needs to be updated now. Right. Uh, I'll go in and, and make those changes. Awesome. I mean, documentation is such an important part of, of frameworks and of, of open source uh, things and and keeping those updated is is, is very very challenging. Um, yeah. do, how many people are on that team um, that that you you work with? Uh, I it's I guess it changes <laughs> from time to time. Like some people will come in, some people will go. Um, I'm not sort of always doing it. I sort of come in and out myself and mm. sort of work occasionally on it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the exact number is. I think there's always people changing. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so um, that that you there's also the the fact that you are a, a, the web a webmaster. Um, so does that mean that there's an element of of DevOps as well uh, that that you that you work with? Not as much these days. Uh, when I was on staff, I would be involved in in that side of things. Uh, so Drupal has its own sort of Jenkins-powered continuous integration system mm-hmm. for running automated tests, tests against patches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was developed partly by staff on the association and, and volunteers. Uh, so yeah, not so much on that side of things anymore, but, but it used to be. Right, right, right. 
that sounds awesome. How did you get in, involved in that? Uh, I guess some of it is, you know, being on staff, sort of doing some needs must sort of situation. Mm. Um, we had a few system administrators on staff um, at the time. I was there sort of primarily as a developer. Right. Um, but then I do a fair bit of systems administration mm. and then Edson Jenkins as well. So mm. it was nice to, be able to sort of cross over the, the two sort of over the two things, do not the DevOps thing. I guess it also helps as well working for microserve because am I right in thinking that they, they also are a, they're an agency for um for Drupal eight and seven, is that right? That's what I yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we, we're an agency, and we primarily do provide services around Drupal. Right. So uh, we've been doing a lot of work on Drupal eight yep. over the last couple of years. Yep. Um, that's always been our focus, really, for, uh, back since uh, Drupal five, Drupal six days. Okay, cool. Um, how many people are working at Microserve? Things around twenty five, maybe thirty, somewhere in that area. Wow! And so, yeah, what what, nice team. what kind of stuff do Microserve do on a sort of a day to day basis? What is their what are the projects like? Uh, in, generally, quite interesting projects. Uh, I've been working on a project for the last sort of twelve months or so, uh, working on a Drupal eight commerce based event management booking system. Wow. So it's for a UK charity yeah. and the thing is primarily running events around the UK. Right. So some are free, some are paid, and this is based on uh, yeah, Drupal 8 commerce. Okay. So each each event is its own product and then purchasing an event is an order for that product. So right. it's not, not maybe not a traditional use case for commerce, but it, it works well. Good. So Drupal is it's a content management system, right? It's it's a right. it's a way of of managing content, I guess. Um, I, I should say that I've had experience with Drupal, but on a very light level. So, as a f- freelancer, some clients that I've had previously, they've they've asked me to sort of jump in and sort of tweak a couple of things here and there. I've okay. n- I've never installed Drupal from scratch. Like I've never created a project from from scratch, so can you say how how different Drupal is compared to other content management systems, i.e., Concrete Five or or, or something? Um, where does it differ? Yeah, it's, it's it's also been referred to as a content management framework. That's right. also I've okay. heard it mentioned. So um, I can't speak too much about Concrete Five, but I know sort of other CMSs. Uh, at least in sort of previous years, mm. you sort of installed it, and then you had sort of what you had at the box, right. and then to add anything more to that was quite challenging. You did through a lot of um, sort of plugins to get sort of what could be classes fairly basic mm-hmm. sort of content modeling, whereas uh, Drupal has had a, had a lot of that out of the box right. um, already. So uh, it's more a case that there was a saying, um, I saw a tweet a, a while ago, a few years ago, and it was saying something like, if you want to build a CMS, use WordPress. If you want to build WordPress, use Drupal. So it's, this, it's almost of a, a step back. So you can do sort of all your content modeling and building up all of your content types and fields um, okay. at the Drupal level. And then, and then that then becomes just a CMS. You're not locked into one particular sort of way of doing it. It is super, super, super flexible. Okay, so it it gives you the 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 framework to build your content management system in the way that you want to build it. Is that right? 
Yeah, so it's, it's got a primary uh, sort of notion of content types. Right. So you get a standard sort of piece of content, uh, which in terminology is called a node. And then a node could be one of you know, any number of content types. So uh, the standard distribution comes with pages, right. basic pages right. and articles. Right. Uh, but then you can add, you know, anything else that you that you want. So it could be an event. It could be, uh, you know, a frequent asked question. It could be anything. It's totally in your power to add these content types to match whatever your content model is. Okay. So it's, um, is it fair to say that it, it isn't opinionated in the way that you should be presenting um, data or listing data or where the data comes from? Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it's probably fairly created on the back end in terms of the way it structures all of your tables uh, and all your database schemas. Okay. Like, um, that, so it does all that for you. So when you're adding a new content type, it's, and then fields to the content type. Okay. It's like how to generate all the tables in the database to store that data. Yeah, yeah. So from, yeah. That, from that perspective, it's quite opinionated because you can't really go in and, and change no. the way it does that. So things. But okay. it's only from a front-end perspective. Uh, or from a, like a site builder perspective, yeah. uh, you could install Drupal. Go, I need uh, you know X, Y, and Z content types. Yeah, yeah. add those and say, okay, one of those is is a blog mm. um, article, so that needs tags, it needs a, a, an image, it needs mm. um, sort of related uh, articles, it needs an author. Uh, you know, the author could be another content type again, mm. uh, or it could be a user. So um, yeah, it, it's so the power is within that sort of site builder. Sort of role, so you don't necessarily need to be a coder to work with Drupal, as long as you can sort of install it. Okay. And so you get this sort of point and click style building. Okay. So uh, yeah, Drupal has this term of site builder, right? Which is not to developer, but it is just somebody who can sort of install and build a site primarily through the UI without writing any code. Sure. Which sure. is really one of the really awesome things about it. Ah, yeah. Okay, I can see where that is kind of has the um the wordpress feel you know how because th there's so many people who will look upon wordpress as, as something that they can just spin up quickly without writing any code and then they have a blog if if drupal is that but for content management systems that would be that's i could see the appeal of that but how flexible is drupal if you want to build plugins or any kind of extensions uh, it's it's really to do that. So that, that's my sort of primary sort of thing, I guess. So I, I consider myself being sort of a full stack developer. Right. But most of the time, I'm sort of writing custom modules for for sites. So um, there is a whole library, like thousands of of plugins or modules for Drupal to add extra functionality. Okay. And and so in the case of maybe you want something quite bespoke, yeah, or something doesn't exist, yeah. then you can just start writing your own. Right. Um, and they are really, really sort of, once you sort of figure out how to do it, um, it's just, you know, when you install Drupal by default, you get uh, a modules directory and they just start adding your own sort of custom, custom code. Okay. And is that, is that something that you do quite a lot of at Microserve? Yeah, quite a lot of that. I think that's probably my primary sort right. of thing is, is module building. Do, do you guys have like a suite of, of modules that you that you use um, or that you've developed yourself uh, on on various projects? Yeah, I think we've most of us have got sort of preferred sort of modules. Uh, we've got our 
handbook, which is a, a triple site that we use internally okay. for the whole of our documentation. So in there, we've sort of got some sort of recommended modules that we tend to use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We do have, or we used to have, maybe coming back, like our own distribution. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of uh, the new version is pretty much a composer file okay. with core and you know, X, Y, and Z modules that we use frequently uh, with some existing configuration that we can sort of reuse uh, rather than play from scratch every time, which is quite nice. Awesome. Does, does it... You, you mentioned Composer. Does it does it does Drupal have a command line interface? Uh, it has several. So <laughs> okay. there's been uh, there's one called Drush, which is the Drupal shell. Drush. Um, that so it's it's not part of Core, but it's just it's an additional download. Okay. Uh, most like I've been using Drush for years and use it for pretty much everything from first installing Drupal, inst- enabling, disabling modules, creating users. Right. I, that, that whole thing. So um, that's been there since, well, before I started. So, so Drupal 5, Drupal 6 days, this was okay. about 10 years ago. Uh, with Drupal 8, there was a separate project called the Drupal Console. Right. So this is very much uh, Symphony Console for Drupal mm-hmm. and built on Symphony Console. Uh, initially, it was like a code generation scaffolding tool. Mm-hmm. So you want to create a new module you'd run the generate module command, it would scaffold that out for you. Right. Uh, but as time has gone on, there's more of an overlap between Drupal console and what Drush is doing. It's actually, uh, not just code generation, but interacting with your site, not enabling as much as so. Okay. Um, the say console is Drupal 8 only, whereas uh, Drush has uh, previous versions, class pre versions as well. Uh, and there is talk of adding an official CLI into core itself so similar to your sort of symphony um in console mm. or your sort of artisan for laravel mm. there is talk of actually something in core which would be pretty awesome yeah yeah that sounds pretty awesome is there is there any other major differences between say drupal 8 and drupal 7 uh yeah considerably um and, and not just even maybe from a code perspective uh for, for Drupal versions sort of seven and earlier there's a yeah. big sort of uh I got this the wrong way around. Which one is the one where you don't write, where you write all your own code? <laughs> one is not invented here, and one is uh, something else. So for Drupal sort of seven and earlier, pretty much everything in Drupal is written by Drupal developers. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure of this, but I think at some point, really early on with the Drupal phase, there was some third party code mm. which had like security vulnerability in it or something which sort of really turned off the maintainers for integrating third-party code. Uh-huh. So everything was sort of written by Drupal sort of itself. Right. Uh, Drupal 8 then was it's the complete opposite of that, really. So Drupal 8 integrated parts of Symphony 2 at the time. Right. Um, and a lot of Drupal 8 is built on uh, a number of Symphony components and a number of Drupal components that sit on top of those. So there is like a real sort of shift Mm. in sort of the ideology almost of Drupal mm. to sort of bring in a lot of this third-party code, primarily Symfony, mm. uh, parts of Zend components are in there, Symfony CMF, right. uh, Stack. Uh, I can't think of everything, but yeah, there's a, a real sort of difference from that perspective. Right. Um, Drupal 7 would probably more similar to like your WordPress-style coding as well, so a lot more sort of functional, mm. um, sort of global functions, global constants. Um, everywhere for the most part, 
um, some parts of core were using some sort of classes and object orientation. Okay. Whereas Drupal 8, everything primarily is written as, as a class. Right. Uh, yeah, and this has been a way moving away from uh, sort of our old sort of systems to a more modern, standardized approach, which is, is pretty cool. It's yeah. I mean, it's it sounds like Drupal eight has had a a, a massive um, injection of of change. Um, yeah. That must have taken a while, a long time to to to, to manifest. Yeah. How how long did that take? Do you know? I think it was about five years, start wow. start to finish. Jeez. Uh, and the, the the symphony integration wasn't right at the beginning, yeah. uh, if I recall correctly. But there was sort of a meeting between sort of the, the prominent sort of PHP right. developers and um, Fabian Potentier, the symphony maintainer. Mm. How could we potentially integrate all this together? Yeah, uh, and it happened quite organically. Um, so Larry Garfield, who was one of the Drupal core maintainers mm. at the time, is mm. uh, very big in the PHP sort of wider community as well. Mm. Uh, and there was, I believe, like a need for the thing that he was maintaining. So, oh, this thing would be really good to integrate this component. Right. So I think that was maybe like the primary driver for it. Mm. Uh, it may have been database abstraction, but I can't, can't recall. Uh, and then from there, it sort of snowballed and sort of became like the main thing. And then it, uh, in the end, I think Drupal 8 itself was sort of slow as we wanted to get Twig in. Twig came in quite late. Wow. Uh, but that was uh, quite, quite a big thing. Um, yeah, yeah t- traditionally, like every major version has been more or less a rewrite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, from seven, six to seven wasn't too bad. Uh, seven to eight is, is quite a big jump. Right. Uh, right. Uh, but I'm glad to say that's that's changing um, in, in Drupal 9. So we're taking more of a, uh, the Symphony type approach. So 9 is going to, like, throughout the Drupal 8 release cycle, we've been deprecating classes and, and methods. And then Drupal 9 essentially is going to be Drupal 8 without the deprecation. So if you're using all the latest everything, yep. then uh, 9 should be pretty straightforward, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's going to be, a, I think, it's a 12-month overlap between 8 and 9 for people to get this thing figured out. Oh, right. Okay. So that, yeah, that sounds, because I guess there's going to be a lot of BC breaks, right? There's going to be a lot of things that will just uh, break, <clears> or, you know, once they go to Drupal 9. So you kind of need to have that, that um, sort of that um, soft period of of um, deprecating things and moving things across. I've noticed that this yeah. is this is the case with with a lot of of um, frameworks and a lot of projects where where the, the the thinking and the architecture underneath has changed, and they want to to improve, but they, the only way to improve is to deprecate and remove. Um, so they have to have this sort yeah. of like this period of time of, of working things through. Um, and it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been quite interesting because we say so moving towards more of the symphony type approach. Mm. But yeah. So since when April, uh, when Drupal eight was released every six months, has been a new minor version. Right. So we're on 8.7 is due to be released soon. Right. So the nice thing about that is we've been able to make these changes. So the non-breaking changes, mm. um, throughout the process was in Drupal seven. We couldn't redo really that. Yeah. Yeah. So everything was sort of fairly static uh, for a bit of at that point. Uh, but it's been really great because we've been able to add sort of new features like migrations. Uh, the migrate suite has been uh, added as, throughout that process. Uh, JSON API, I know, is one that's going into core right. Uh, right. soon. Um, yeah, it just means we can just keep you know, iterating on things. So yeah. that's been a real big difference for us because we get 
Um, layout builder is another one. This is a new layout builder going into core. So yeah, it's really great to see these new things coming in and we can go to clients and also say, oh, you've got this new way of doing layout. This is, this is pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, media is another one. Right. Um, media integration going into core, which is, is pretty great. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah, it, so- it sounds like uh, Drupal is a, is, is a very good, I mean, I, like I said, I've never, I've never, u- I've never installed it myself. I've only just u- worked on Drupal projects, but it sounds like it's a, you know, I'll, I'll check it out, I think, because it sounds like a very good way of creating content management systems. Um, how you, you, you talked earlier about the, um, the, the, the way it handles databases and stuff like that. Can, can other external um, sources of data come through? So for example, if I had an API somewhere which handled all the, all the, all the heavy lifting and right. I just wanted a content management system that called upon that API, could I, could I do that fairly easy? I'm not sure there's, uh, there, there are ways of doing it. And there are several that all come to mind at the same time. Uh, so what there is a module called feeds, right? Uh, which I think it was, is maybe in core, or at least it's there as a, as a contributed module. Mm. So that, I guess primarily is, is maybe through RSS back in the day. So you'd give it, um, uh, a feed URL or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are different sort of integration points for that. So maybe that could be done through from an API. Okay. Uh, there are ways to say it has a built-in sort of migration mm-hmm. that's slightly different. So that might be if you're moving from an earlier version of Drupal to a newer one, or I've done migrations from sort of Laravel to Drupal 8 or other things as well. Okay. Give it to any sort of database schema. Right. Um, that I think is more of like a one-time sort of thing just to get your data in there mm. um, rather than a, you, you could just sort of do it um, sort of as a periodic thing. Um, if, if you wanted to, um, or you've still, also got the option of making you know, a, a custom module right. as well. So, uh, let's try to think of an example. We, we did some uh, work on a site year before last, uh, where people would go to a third-party service, mm. fill in essentially a web form, okay. and when they submitted the form, it would send a big uh, XML payload to various places. Right. One of which being the website that uh, we were building. So mm. uh, within that custom module, I was able to expose uh, a route that accepted um, a post request. Uh, that got all the data through. Mm. And then on the Drupal side, I was able to sort of do some transformations uh, based on you know, the data they'd sent to convert a number of days to be um, a date field, for example. Okay. Or, or uh, take, trying to think of an example, a branch name. So maybe it comes through as the branch is, is Bristol, mm-hmm. you know, for, it's an XML, so just plain text. Mm-hmm. Well, then there I could do lookups to say like, on the Drupal side, that's an entity reference. So okay. uh, an office is, is a content type and then a job is a content type. Right. We want to link those two things together, right? So yeah. uh, as part of that transformation, I can say, okay, Bristol, do we have an office with a title of Bristol? Mm. Um, and then rather than storing it as plain text, we can uh, store the reference to the, the branch node. And, and link the two up that way. Um, so that's always a fallback option as well. You've also got a more, lot more sort of control, I see. like in that example there, um, if you do it the custom way, yeah, uh, which you may not get in something that's more yeah. um, generic. I ask because um, uh, an example um, that I was speaking to someone uh, a few days ago, in fact, was that they had um, a, a series of APIs 
And um, they were looking for a way of managing that in some form or form. So they, so they would be sending post requests. Well, they would, first of all, we, they, they would sign into something and then they would do a get request to get that information back. And then they would do a post request to post it back. Um, but they were, they were just looking for a way of managing that piece of software. Um, and I, um, Drupal might be, might help. I don't know. Um, with that, um, the, 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 the thing that I could sort of, I was, I was, um, coming up with was just building simple forms in say symphony four or something that then was doing a sort of a guzzle request back to, to wherever the data is stored, uh, stored. Um, yeah, nice thing about that is, is say Drupal uses some of those components. So you could use guzzle under the hood. Yeah. So if you use Drupal's HTTP client, it is guzzle. Right. Essentially. So, yeah. um, and yeah, uh, just to that point, if you, what you said about multiple integrations. Mm. And then one of our other developers, uh, Sophie, has written a module called Simple Integrations. Right. So we use that on a number of our projects, which just gives you some more of a, like a UI for, you know, you can go and enable or disable certain, certain integrations. Um, I haven't yet used it on any of my projects, but I know she's been using it on quite a few. Well, that, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's that... one that we've written for, for like this for, for YHA that we've contributed back to the community. Awesome. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you've made a very good point there about the UI. It's like, so, I, so I'm more than happy to build all these things, but it's the, the actual interface. It's the making it look usable and be usable. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, yeah. uh, that's not my speciality. Um, and Drupal is kind of attractive in that sense because it has those already um, rather than having myself to actually build everything. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like you said about um, Symphony's form component, like, so Drupal has its own form API as well. Right. So if, if you're building, um, so let's say maybe a simple integration example or, or just uh, – to your example, if you did say, you know, I want to ping this URL, mm. then we can, rather than hard coding that in a module, you could have a settings form so that, you know, your client could go in potentially, um, log into the site, go to you know, some admin slash config slash, you know, Peter's module. Yeah. Uh, and we can expose that URL as a setting. Right. Uh, and as long as you're using Drupal's form API, it will build that form for you. Mm-hmm. And as long as you tell, you know, this is a text field, this is a text area, this is required, this yeah. isn't, um, it'll do that form, uh, for you. Yeah. Uh, and it's got its own administration theme, which right. I think was added, uh, it's a default in, in D7. Right. But yeah. There is quite a nice sort of separation between, you know, this is the front end of your site, the sort of the end user see, mm-hmm. and then you've got this whole sort of admin area, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, anybody can if you've got the right permissions, obviously to go yeah. in and, and administer these things. So, yeah. uh, if you see it's maybe easy to sort of, um, like the easy, easy bundle in symphony, like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. um, it gives you that very clear sort of separation. Um, okay. and then people's roles, roles and permission system is quite, can be, uh, quite flexible. Right. So it can be quite complicated, but it's very flexible again, in yeah. terms of, you know, this, yeah. this user has X, Y, and Z roles. Yeah. These roles have ABC permissions. So when this user logs in, they're going to see all this extra stuff that, so, you know, that a regular user won't be able to see. So is that a bit like an access control list where you can sort of say this user has these roles and these roles are then associated to these methods or these rights to do with the system, edit, admin, add, delete, and so forth? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's, there's obviously a number of this whole sort of matrix of checkboxes <laughs> we get to roles across the top and then positions down the side. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, core will give you a load out of the box. Awesome. So you, you add you add your content types. Yeah. So let's say you've got to add a, a job content type. That will create a number of roles. Mm-hmm. So you've got to add job nodes, edit job nodes, edit any, edit own, delete any. Yeah. Uh, it creates this whole sort of set of permissions for everything. Right. Uh, it's up to you then, sort of as, as a sort of administrator, to delegate those roles to to delegate the permissions to mm-hmm. the relevant roles. Mm-hmm. So you could maybe have a, a job editor who can. Um, to add but not publish or sure. something else you can then excuse me do the review but then uh, take it from draft to sort of publish mode as well okay okay cool so let's move a, a, away a little bit from from drupal itself and actually start talking about um the bits and pieces that you've been getting on to because you've done an awful lot recently um you, first of all you're a certified drupal grandmaster um what does that mean it sounds cool yeah it's what's the full title acquia certified drupal 8 grandmaster awesome that is that is a, a very good full title <laughs> it, it sounds cool it looks good on the tv yeah uh, so yeah so acquia are a company yeah, acquia is a company yeah um that was founded by i'm going to say this wrong Therese Boitard, right. who's, uh, who's the original project creator of Drupal. Mm-hmm. So he wrote the framework initially. He then co-founded a company called Acquia, primarily to provide support and some enterprise level backing to the, to the projects. You know, a lot of enterprise companies will go, this thing is open source, but we need, you know, X and Y sort of SLAs yeah. and, and yeah. this sort of support. So they, they offer sort of support and hosting and, and certifications on, on Drupal. So it, it's, I see a lot of people, I've seen blog posts, people said, you know, so Ac- Drupal's parent company, Acquia, right. which you now isn't technically right, but they also they do, there is a, a, there is a big crossover right. sort of there. So they, they employ core maintainers and people to work on the project full time in, in some, some, in some aspects, but you know, there is a very, I say tight coupling, but there is there is a coupling between uh, Drupal and Acquia. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. So, so, so um, what does Microsoft it, are Acquia partners. We work, we work with Acquia quite a lot on, right. on big big projects. Um, and part of that is um, is their certification. So um, they they've got different certifications for different versions. Um, so I've sat the Drupal eight certifications. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a, uh, a generic developer. Right. One which sort of covers sort of front end and back end um, aspects. Uh, then they've got there is also a site builder one, so uh, that one I haven't haven't sat. Um, but then there are two specialist exams. Okay. One is uh, you know, front end and back end essentially. So okay. obviously they focus on their respective sort of areas. So uh, and once you sat those three, um, you then get the title of grandmaster, which is it's pretty uh, cool. So awesome. Uh, yeah, in addition, I've also then sat the Cloud Pro certification as well last year, which okay. is the one probably focused around their hosting offering. Right. So, yeah, so I've got got those four. Uh, we've got, I think last last time I checked, at least there were eight or nine in the UK. Yeah. Uh, three of them work here. <laughs> so myself and two others. Wow. Uh, yeah. Sat so we've, 
let's say we're a, a, a smaller team or a medium-sized team, I'd probably say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got the, the ratio of certifications to people here is quite high. Yeah. Uh, always encouraging sort of yeah. people to do um, the exams, uh, not just the developers either. We've got a couple of our sort of project managers that are keen to start doing sort of the site building um, certification oh, right. yeah. to sort of really understand what thing is that they're managing, which is, is pretty cool. That's cool. I like I like hearing that. I like hearing that the other people who are not only develop who aren't developers but are very sort of like close to developers are taking a, a deep interest into what the developers do in, in their certifications and so forth. That is cool. You 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 say you you took exams. Can you talk about what 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 that was like? What, how long was the exam? That kind of stuff. Uh, it's quite similar to this. So they were all online <laughs> okay. um, to begin with. Um, I think it, I think the symphony ones you can only take in person until quite recently. Okay. Um, they both use some online. So you go install um, some software, mm-hmm. show up at a certain time. It locks down your machines. You can't like, switch between <laughs> windows or anything like that to be uh, cheating. Yep. Um, and then like, somebody is proctoring the exam on the other side. There's so somebody sat. You've got to have your webcam on. Uh, your microphone has got to be on for the whole time. Okay. Um, and someone is on the other side. You've got to take your glasses off, show them to the screen to make sure they've not got Google glasses on or something, oh, I guess. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. And someone sat there watching the whole time. Uh, I think it was like a, both, maybe they're all through like 90 minute exams, if I recall. I think the site builder one is, is an hour and then the others are also 90 minutes, I think. Gosh. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty, I think they're about 60 questions, I think, in each one. Right, uh, and the pass mark varies, which I found out afterwards, uh, <laughs> based on which exam you're taking. So, um, yeah, I should have known that beforehand. Really. So, uh, yeah, but they're quite interesting. Are they? Are they? Are they? Um, are they uh, sort of multiple choice? Is it a, 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 an interview in the sense of they are asking you questions, or is it is it like a Cody type thing where you're sharing screens and you're writing code for them to review? It, it's multiple choice, right? Primarily, so um, yeah, it's there's one of, sort of four answers, and it could be one or multiple okay. based on the question. Uh, some of them are quite sort of not droopy at all. Mm. Um, one was you know, given we've got this set of markup, and the markup has got an ID and some mm. classes and an inline style, and so like, which color is the text? And it's like uh, okay, oh, <laughs> it could be could be that one or that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's definite you know it's not all Drupal specific um and again that sort of play especially with the Drupal 8 stuff again like yeah. you're pulling in parts of yeah. symphony uh there's some sort of symphony related questions and there's yeah. some ultimate testing questions in there yeah and um, say some sort of real sort of which color is this text going to be sort of css questions okay okay um, as well so and yeah like which this piece of code is not secure <laughs> it's like i should know this one well that's a that's a good question that is a very good question it's a, quite an important question um because security is quite a, a big issue in this yeah. industry. Sure. Um, so, so you also did um, you also did a talk re- or two talks recently, didn't you? Um, uh, at, um, at at uh, a Drupal user groups. Can you talk about those? Yeah, so I did two. The most recent ones I did were at Drupal Camp in London. Okay. So uh, I've been quite lucky to speak at all but one of, or at least been selected at all the one of them. So the first one I went to was in. 2014, right. I think. Um, I got my first one on, on Git and GitFlow. Mm-hmm. That was my first ever conference talk. I gave one talk uh, at a user group in, in Cardiff um, prior to that. So that was like, I'm going, I might as well submit a talk. 
and they got approved and then haven't really stopped since. Awesome. Uh, I, I was going to do one or two last year and then the, the snow happened. So <laughs> I don't think any of us from Bristol or from, so I, I live in South Wales. So it's hard, it's hard. Yeah. But I don't think any of us from Bristol even, even got to London for, for camp last year. Right. Um, this year we did make it. It was almost the opposite. We had 20 degree heat <laughs> the yeah. week before. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went and I, I submitted, I think, maybe four or five talks, I think. Right. All all. So we had about, it was about 100 submissions from 40 slots, I think, at the end of the day. So it was a two day con. Three day conference. One was sort of the Friday was more business focused to agency leaders, uh, you know, that type of that type of uh, people. So not developer focused on, mm-hmm. on the Friday, mm-hmm. and then Saturday Sunday is is more sort of uh, developer de- not developer focused, but development type building, sort of okay. technically focused. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's it's not just developers. Uh, yeah, again, I managed to give, I got two accepted this year. Uh, one was on automated testing, which I gave at London once a couple of years ago. Uh, okay, I did that one at Drupal Dev Days in Lisbon uh, last year, okay. most recently. So it's an updated version on that for London. Right. Uh, and then I did another talk on uh, Drupal.org uh, and its API. Uh, I was doing some work with that mm. uh, last year. Um, we, we rebuilt the website, uh, Microsoft website last year. Right. Uh, I went to PHP UK and sort of watched Flake Van Hilton talking about um, Spartacy and their open source. And they've got a whole page on their website. Like these are the Laravel packages that we maintain. These are the PHP packages we maintain. So I was thinking, how can I build something like this for, for Microsoft website? Right. And started working with the Drupal.org API. Mm-hmm which I knew about having been on staff previously. Mm. So there's, there's an open API to get sort of user data or, or data about you know, a certain module right. or a theme, uh, let's say download counts, um, number of, sort of stars on there, that type of thing. So similar to your sort of GitHub style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started working with this, thinking how can I integrate this, mm. and then wrote, started integrating with the API, mm. and then realized that you know, this doesn't necessarily need to be even within Drupal. So uh, I ended up writing a, a PHP library mm-hmm. with its own separate package. Mm-hmm. I had this discussion beforehand, library versus package. Yeah. Uh, library inside a package that's uh, released on packages. Right. That, that communicates with the API with Drupal.org API. And I've written then a couple of modules based on that API. So the API library is a dependency of the module right. by a composer. Yeah. And pull those in and get you know, again, there's a, a, an admin settings form. I can specify you know, microservice supports these projects. Then the module go go and get the data mm-hmm. from the API. Mm-hmm. And again, the Drupal is responsible for for caching that data, right. and also providing the sort of customizability, mm-hmm. making up words. Um, <laughs> of that. So, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. So yeah. that and I did a, another sort of little module. Based on that. So the second talk was talking a little bit about how to sort of build this library and this package. Mm. Uh, did a little bit of a demo of that, ran the test for that, and then sort of did more of a demo of the actual module layer. Uh, yeah. that, that's been something we've, we've seen. Like that's ha- been happening within Drupal for like Mailchimp has got a, a module that's built on their on their library. Mm. Um, so it's, it's been a thing for a while. Um, this company called Commerce Guys who write 
Drupal Commerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took this approach for some of their more recent ones. So when they moved from Drupal 7 to rewrite Commerce to Drupal 8, they said like they've got a quite complex sort of addressing library and tax library. So again, so why does this need to be inside Drupal? Let's make that in its own module. And that went into sort of Foxycart and Cilius and possibly Magento and you know, all these other mm-hmm. frameworks started using it. So there's been, a, again, a bit of a trend with the adoption of Composer to really sort of start breaking down packages, like which are the reusable parts. Yeah, yeah, so the yeah. Parts. So yeah. Um, I, I did this on a project, you know, the yeah. current project model I was doing this recently. So just bringing that slightly different approach to yeah. sort of people who maybe aren't familiar with packages or Composer yeah. to sort of start thinking, like, again, which parts could be, which parts do you need to keep in your module? Yeah. And which parts could you make into a generic package you could then reuse in you know, other versions of Drupal or Symfony or, you know, yeah. enter the framework name here. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I really like that notion of, of breaking things up into smaller reusable parcels that you can share hmm. around. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I, I really like what you, what you were talking about with the, the sense that you, you, you went to a talk and you were inspired by this page, you then went and built that for microserve and all the components that were required for that. And then you open sourced it. Is it- yeah. So I think Sparsi are pretty awesome as well. Like they've got, I think it's like six person team in Belgium. Right. And I think stuff's being downloaded like two and a half million times a month now. Wow. Like they, they open source is, is crazy. Man. So, uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the talk, the freight gave us, uh, building Laravel, dashboard with Laravel. Right. Uh, but yeah, as part of that, he just talk a little bit about their open source. Right. Um, and yeah, I was sort of familiar with Spotsy. And that, before. and that was the thing that inspired you to, to, to kick that off. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been open sourcing Drupal modules you know, for, for quite a sure. amount of time, sure. but it was quite nice to sort of bring that almost sort of com- company level focus to it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah hopefully yeah. that's going to be going out because it, it, it is a, it's a, it's a selling point for them yeah. uh, in terms of like, uh, and also for us, and you know, if we're going to a competitive pitch, mm-hmm. you know, you're the tenth Drupal agency we've seen today. You know what makes you different? Yeah, and that's something that we can like call on to say, you no, know, we contribute. Like, there's a thing, you know, Drupal is is free and it's open source. Mm. And, and in my mind, you know, I've been doing Drupal full time for 10, 11 years at this point. Right. So, you know, I, I don't like I've learned this thing. I've been supporting my family. Mm. My family has sort of grown <laughs> through this whole process. You know two kids and everything, mm. you know, and that's all like paying my mortgage, paying the pills all been based on this thing that, you know, I don't pay for. So yeah. for me to spend a bit of time giving some of that stuff back to me, is a bit of a no brainer. So I try and bring that sort of slightly different yeah. mental thing to it. Whereas, you know, I'll start building a module and I'll go, you know, does this bit need, to, this bit is obviously quite specific to a client who needs mm. this form. Mm. And, and this bit is because it's got to get stuff off a queue yeah. and do things, right? But, but this middle bit can, could, is generic. So why not, you know, make a module out of it? Yeah. And, and so yeah, that, the last project, I think I made sort of five modules. Really? And sort of open source them. And you know, one depends on, on the other, but it's mm. just looking at a slightly different, slightly different way. Is there is there is there a disadvantage to 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 this though? Is it is it is it that that you, there are now more spinning plates that you have to maintain? 
maybe to some degree. Um, yeah, I, I do hear that sometimes, you know, maybe, oh, we don't have time to do, make that a thing open source. And, and maybe there's a point to that. I um, mean, you know, I've been doing that for so long that, you know, it's, it's pretty much second nature. Mm. You know, it's, it's, I push it to a different Git remote and pull it into Composer. Mm. And it's, you know, it's, it's more or less the same for me as it would be doing it in a module. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, I've been really trying to, those came out of taking more of a sort of open source first approach. Mm. So rather than like the way I've seen it done before is like, I'll write all these modules and write them in like, in our modules directory. There's a we typically have contrib for, for contributed modules, like public ones okay. and then custom for your custom modules. You've got to, you can easily see which ones are. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and the normal thing is, you know, at the end of the project, mm. we'll go back and we'll open source them. Right. And, and like I said this on a project about a year and a half ago, and I haven't done it because, you know, I'd be straight onto another project. Mm. Whereas, you know, if, if you sort of start with that sort of open, and you've got to go through and you know, clean out all your namespaces and make yeah. sure you've not got any client stuff left in there and you don't re- leave your client name in, in the module <laughs> or something, right? Yeah. Not that I've done that. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's that extra sort of step that you need yeah. to do. But yeah. And whereas if you do it contrib first, Write everything essentially white label yeah. to begin with, yeah. pull it back into the project, then you've not got that extra step at the end. Yeah, um, certainly, yeah. I, I did one for uh, Dot Mailer. Right. Um, there, was a, there was a Drupal 7, but not one for Drupal 8. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's quite a specific set of criteria for our client. So, you know, somebody's to fill in a form and they get subscribed to this, this list. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that now is, is its own module. But what I've then got, I sit there and I think, you know, oh, it'd be good if it did this. It'd be good if it did that. I'd be driving home thinking it'd be great. Yeah. So I'll just start making issues. And they'll just you know, put them in a queue. And each module's got its own issue queue. Right, right. So, uh, so oh, it'd be good if it did, you know, X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. Or in the case of, you know, I did one called system user. So if a, a, a user needs to create you know, nodes or in this case, send messages, mm-hmm. like which, which user does it get sent from? I don't mm-hmm. really want to go hard coding in magic user IDs, no. which are going to change depending on the environment. I guess so, also yeah. you're, you're forcing yourself to be a little bit more abstract as well, because you're, sure. you're not thinking about it in the sense of this can be used just for this single mm-hmm. client. You're, you're thinking of it in terms of, well, I could also be using this in other clients. And so sure. let's, 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 sort of change our thinking from, from, uh, and, and have more of an abstract look upon the project and also an abstract look upon the ar- architecture as well. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we've got this list of issues mm. or feature requests and, you know, it, what we did, it was enough mm. to come back to the time point. It's like, I'm not going to write the client wants this little tiny piece. I'm going to write the massive or signal dancing module. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'll still write enough to satisfy that requirement. Yeah. And then, you know, when we've got time, let's jump into that feature request list and start, you know, adding some new things. Uh, and we, we did, we had a contribution day, uh, week before last. Right. So we all not, not down tools because we, we had tools, but, um, yeah, we were <laughs> complying with the day yeah. we worked on the actual modules. So mm-hmm. when, when we came to it, we had a nice list of ones mm-hmm. that we, from, um, the stuff we'd already worked on, which is quite nice, or right. just ones you know, on a bug and a module that we need for you know, Project X. So we'll tag it as, as being a Microsoft issue. Mm-hmm. And then when we came to it, we had this list of, of uh, issues ready to work on. Mm-hmm. We had a, 
super productive day, which is uh, which is really awesome. Yeah, I guess you really need to be hot on the testing when you're doing something like that. When you've got packages and and modules and stuff that are shared amongst different clients, using them in totally different ways, I would imagine you have to be quite cautious with testing and and, and all of that jazz. What one of your talks was on testing? Am I right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Is there? Um, I'm assuming that, that Drupal can do all of the the, the usual testing that that uh, you know the unit testing, uh, integration testing, um, all and all that stuff, acceptance testing, and so forth. Does it use? Does it use? Um, can, can it use things like um, Codeception, PHP unit to do all that stuff, or does it have its own? mechanism uh so short answer is yes um <laughs> yeah so currently uh back in uh, so, so so triple seven is sort of the legacy version i think that's maybe the technical term for it okay um so that has its own testing built into core which okay. is based on a library called simple test right which is quite an old testing framework which i think is pretty much only used by Drupal 7 at this point, <laughs> as far as I know. Uh, I think the version there is even sort of a forked version of that, mm-hmm. possibly, I think. Um, so yeah, then with simple, uh, so when we started moving to Drupal 8, everything sort of came across as, as simple test tests. Right. And then again, through the adoption of third party components mm-hmm. and, and code, um, PHP unit was, was brought into to Drupal 8 core. Okay, uh, and there's been this uh, an initiative called the PHP Unit Initiative that we're migrating all of our tests and the legacy simple test system to running PHP Unit, uh, and this was completed I think last week. So there's currently no more simple test tests yeah. in Drupal Core. Everything is based on uh, PHP Unit. So uh, awesome. yeah, it's it obviously uses PHP Unit for doing unit testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it then uses uh, Symfony's so uh, Symfony's PHP unit bridge, right. as well as testing for deprecation, mm-hmm. and then uses uh, does functional level testing again based on um, it's not using B hat, but it's using part of the B hat Mink drivers to do um, browser testing and actually testing, sort of making real requests and responses. Yeah, installs Drupal behind the scenes. You tell it which modules to install. So oh, it's doing wow. everything in sort of a very um potent, that's not the right word. Um, like it starts with a new a new Drupal yeah. site for every test. Yeah, yeah. Uh, enables what you try to enable, yeah. does your sort of setup steps, it creates your users, uh, does create you create your nodes and mm. then run your assertions, tears it all back down again mm. and then does it again for each test. So um, the functional test can be a bit slower because it's having to do this, you know, before every test. Mm-hmm. Although it's it's doing sort of a minimal sort of bootstrap of mm-hmm. core, um, but yeah, you are able to make sort of actual responses, awesome. uh, request responses, and things. Do you, um, do you uh, re- and there is also sorry like a, a, an intermediate like integration level yeah. testing with with what Drupal calls kernel tests. So again, okay. it's not doing a full it's uh, sort of browser level test, but it is doing sort of integration level. So you can do um, get your service out of the container. Mm-hmm. And get your configuration and so the other big thing for, for Drupal 8 was all of your configuration got exported into files. So it's a big right. config directory. Right. So similar again to sort of how Symphony works, where you know you make all your UI changes in the, the Drupal admin. Yeah. You then export that into files. Right. Uh, and like I say in, in Drupal 7, this wasn't a thing, it was all sort of stored in, in the database. So 
mm-hmm. you know, for, for, for um, you know, this module test, you're going to need X and Y roles mm-hmm. and, and these fields to exist. So you, you can store those as part of your test as well. So they need more setup to do. You need to be quite specific. You know, I want this module's config and, and this, even this module. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas uh, then at the bottom level, you've got your, sort of your standard sort of unit testing level with all your mocks and spies and, and <laughs> all those good things there as well. Awesome. Am I right in thinking that um, uh, new new uh, people who are new to Drupal should r- start with Drupal eight instead of Drupal seven? Is that is that the the preferred way now? Uh, I guess yes, probably. Um, it's so I'd say maybe even twelve months ago. It dep- uh, even now to a degree, it, it sort of depends on your requirement. So. Uh, with the changes being you know, quite significant between mm-hmm. seven and eight, most contrib modules required you know a total mm. rewrite of everything. So, especially let's say twelve months ago, twenty four months ago, mm-hmm. you'd need. Uh, I, was, I was looking at work for. We had a brief for a client, mm-hmm. and I looked at it and went, you know, this is the list of modules I'd use to do it in Drupal seven. Mm-hmm. You know, a, th- a third of those don't exist yet for Drupal eight. And another third are, are pre 1.0, so they're also maybe alpha or beta or development versions. Okay. So in that case, you know, commerce was a big one for me for a while. Right. Um, you know, in that case, maybe you want to go and, and use seven. Okay. Maybe there's still a scenario where that is, is the case. Uh, these days, I think there's most stuff there is a version of, of eight, or there's an equivalent. Okay. So it might be the module A has been replaced by module B, but they do more or less the same. I same see. Thing. Um, as I say, Drupal 8 is sort of the current version, and that will be going to 9, um, let's say 2020, mm-hmm. I think. Um, 7 is still going to be around until 2021. Right. That's right. So I think, I think it's feature complete and uh, feature freeze at the point Drupal 9 is released, and then security of it only for like 12 months after that or something. So, so is it in a kind of an LTS type sort of scenario at the moment? Yeah, that if you want to, you could say that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and at least this was the case for me. You know, twelve months ago, twenty four months ago, mm. like, do we want to look at doing you know this spec in Drupal eight? And it's going to take you know, probably this much longer because we need to figure out which modules there are and, mm. and things are sort of alpha beta versions. Mm. So seven is it could be SALTS because it's reliable and stable, and you mm. know what you're getting. Yeah, Which, you know, at this point, you know, eight is. Um, is much more sort of stable. And is, once, it, uh, it, I guess this this question really depends on the the project. But um, is there is there much mm. change in upgrade that a user has to do in terms of upgrading from seven to eight? Yeah, seven to eight is is probably a rewrite so, uh, at this point. So the, um, if you're writing any sort of custom code, yeah, you have to more or less just rewrite it. Right, pretty much from scratch. Depend. It depends what you're doing. So like, there are fundamental changes, like the way you declare a module uh, metadata for a module in mm-hmm. Drupal Seven is for the dot info file. So my module dot info. Yeah. Essentially, it's sort of any style sort of format. Yeah. It's in Drupal Eight. That's moved to YAML. So you'd have to change that for change the extension. I see. Uh, and write it. Um, part of it, like Form API, we've mm-hmm. mentioned, is pretty much the same from seven to eight. So you probably have to make minimal changes to that. But, you know, in other places, you'd have to you know, start, like permissions are all done through classes now to some degree. So 
uh, if you want a complex mission, it, it's in some degrees it's fine. What is this sort of hook we, we call them? Uh, it's a sort of non-object oriented events essentially is probably the best way I think to describe them. It's like what has that what has that hook been renamed to right. in Drupal H? It's going to be moved into a service most likely, and then how would you? Uh, do that. So there is a documented upgrade path, okay. and, and the, the, the API change records are really good. Okay. You can know, search for the thing that you were using; it'll sort of give you all the change records yeah. that you probably need to to read. Um, yeah, uh, that's been pretty consistent through previous versions. Uh, you more or less have to make pretty big changes, breaking changes, mm-hmm. uh, and then look at sort of either for sort of five to six or six to seven, you could do an upgrade. Mm-hmm. So you'd sort of say, uh, "Here's my database." Put Drupal uh, seven on top of six. Run uh, sort of essentially like a migration. That's a bad word to use. I'm going to use that in a minute. Um, like an in-place update, right, of your database. Yes. And it'll convert everything to the new the new way. Um, in Drupal eight, that isn't a thing. You do need to do like an actual migration. So it has a, a migrate module built in, and you're having to say, you know, move from you know X structure to Y structure, mm-hmm. uh, and it'll do that you know for you. Uh, the, the nice thing is, as I say, in, in nine, that's that's not going to be to get from eight to nine. It's going to be considerably easier. I was just about to uh, ask you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, a la the symphony style of you know going from two to three. It's like here you're deprecated stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't you know uh, upgrade deprecated stuff, and you're going to be fine. Whereas uh, uh, symphony one to two was just a you just had to rewrite it. There was no. Bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I the more the more a, a big sort of. Yeah. hurdle i guess for some clients oh, it's only really going to be working for you know, three years and we have to rebuild it whereas you know the nice thing about the new system yeah the new sort of release cycle so we can a start keep adding new features like yeah. you know layer builder and uh, we've had a, a new experimental uh, sorry demonstration mm-hmm. um profile that went into core as part of the minor version mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. can either keep iterating and adding these new cool things <laughs> And then, you know, especially with the, say, I've mentioned um, PHP unit bridge. Mm-hmm. So as you're running tests, it's showing you, okay, using this deprecated, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what I'd love to see eventually, uh, I could probably make a feature request for it on, on Drupal.org. Just have like a little badge that says, you know, Drupal 9 compatible because it's using all the, the up to date things. That would be cool. Um, so, yeah, so, and that would be nice because then, you know, in theory, we're looking at, you know, I think some of the Laravel updates are like, you know, sort of 10 minutes. <laughs> Semi updates go from, you know, sort of 5.7 to 5.8. Wow. Uh, which, you know, it'd be quite nice to be sort of in that realm of things rather than having to, you know, sort of rebuild everything from yeah. scratch. And, yeah. You know, but there's issues, obviously, uh, with, with, you know, that whole thing of just rebuilding everything every time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how, bug, that's how bugs happen. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, it'd be nice not to, you know, have that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's sort of been my approach to, to most things is to, is to move move the tests across first, run them, see what happens, and then start rebuilding yeah. the functionality. Yeah. Or, or in some cases, if, you know, if, if I had module without tests, is, is to write the tests for 57, mm-hmm. then put those across. Mm-hmm. Um, when the modules I maintain, I think it's used by, now it's about 30,000 sites. Um, wow. It was sort of less than that. Uh, you know, back at the back at the time, mm. I think it was the, one of the first modules I ported across. Um, you know, there were already some tests there for Drupal Seven, so I was just sort of guided by those mm. uh, in terms mm. of rebuilding. I'm still sort of you know fairly new to Drupal Eight at this point, 
this. I have to collect these tests and guide me and tell me what the next step is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's quite a, quite a nice way of doing it. And also, you know, stopping regressions happening yeah. as you're applying, you know, people are submitting patches for feature requests. And things. So, yeah. yeah. So well, testing has been, you know, quite a, quite a turning point, I think, for me. It's, it's you know, mentioned in PHP community a lot. Like, yeah, we're all writing tests, aren't we? Sort of scenario. Whereas, <laughs> we should uh, be. You know, we should be writing tests. Should, yes. <laughs> um, I, I think Drupal, in some ways, can is maybe still catching up a bit on that. Yeah. Um, core of I've got it. So that Core has, you know, if you want to submit a patch to Core, it's got to go through gates. You know, essentially steps of things. One of which is is testing. So okay. essentially, new features have tests. Yeah. Um, bugs have tests to stop the regressions going. Back in. So. Um, core is is in a good place on on that front. Um, every contrib module, you know, is its own open source project. It's mm-hmm. very up to much up to the maintainer mm-hmm. to then go in and sort of write tests or or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we we've had issues where people have you know, submitted a patch to fix a bug, and then it's then stuck in a needs test state because then okay. people want the test to go along with it. Yeah. Uh, which is great for me because I'll just go through the list to find stuff that needs tests and I'll submit them. Um, but yeah, there was a, a case recently. Um, so I was, I was, I started writing a book, uh, called test driven Drupal in which I'm, I'm building uh, a conference site using test driven development. Right. And I'm using a module within that called, uh, I can't, yeah, I'm using a module within that, um, as, as part of this mm-hmm. and I was writing my tests and I couldn't get something to work <laughs> the way I thought. It's like, why is this thing not passing? Uh, so I'll, I'll go and take a look at, you know, the modules, the tests within inside the module, mm-hmm. uh, which that's that's great from the documentation perspective. It's like, how is this thing supposed to work? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but in this case, you know, there weren't any, so I just uh, you know, add, made a, an issue on their on their issue queue, saying, you know, add some tests, please. Um, and then in it, within the process of me writing those tests, I figured out where, what I needed to do to make mine work. Mm. Um, that's quite nice. so. It, it is still. Yeah, it's up, it's up to each maintainer to write their own tests. Yeah. It's up to that maintainer to enable um, Drupal CI to, to run those tests per patch. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the trend is, is going in the right direction. Right. Where uh, I think part of that is, is maybe because of that release cycle. So, mm-hmm. you know, say every six months there's a new version, and, yeah. and you know, this shouldn't be breaking changes because these are minor. But, you know, mm-hmm. we went, I think it's fair to say we were new to this right at the beginning. So, <laughs> there may have been a couple here and there maybe um yeah. you know compared to drupal 7 like you could write code on that and because that sort of api isn't changing mm-hmm. or that code base is changing mm-hmm. you can be confident that your modules are going to work in in five years yes it's you know, yeah. potentially right? who's yeah. to say that you know adding layout builders is going to break your custom thing mm-hmm. so um there could be conflicts between core and or, or between core and your contrib or your custom code. So mm-hmm. I sort of look at it now going like there's maybe a six month shelf life potentially, or I may need to reveal, revisit it within six months. Yeah. Um, t- testing- that's where the tests have been really important to make sure the you know, core isn't breaking my stuff or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. T- tests, um, tests give a level of confidence and I, I like to identify what tests are available. Um, when I choose various open source things, but you're right when you said that the lots of modules don't get have have all the tests behind them this is certainly the case for things like wordpress where you're looking at a plugin but you don't know how that plugin is going to to um 
be acceptable in this whole testing sort of sense. Now you mentioned you mentioned that um, that you're you're writing a book. What what's the book book called? Uh, so it's called Test Driven Drupal. Test Driven. So I'm sort of cool. I'm playing on the test driven development TDD theme, <laughs> uh, just swapping out the last word. So awesome. it's, it's been something I've wanted to do for quite a while, mm -hmm. and so I've had a few ideas of what could I maybe write about. Yeah, uh, sort of one day, so just did the bullet and set up a Mailchimp list and sort of made a little landing page on my site and sort of thought of you know these are the things I want to try and cover. Right. Yep. Um, and then you know I've mentioned it, but I'm giving talks on testing and yeah. writing a few you know, quite a lot of articles on my site about Drupal and PHP and testing. And games. So it's it's been sort of a little bit on the back burner for okay. a while, and then sort of I had some time off over Christmas, sort of read to evaluate what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And you know, so I think maybe I need some sort of sort of example thing to build. You know, Adam Warden's test driven Laravel was based around building this mm -hmm. uh, sort of ticketing application for, for, for gigs and things. So I was thinking of something I could do um, maybe around that front. So I, I think of settling on building a conference website, which like that covers most of the things that mm -hmm. I was hoping to cover mm -hmm. and, and will come in handy for building the Triple Cam Bristol site. Um, soon um so i think that's that's what i'm going to do um i was driving home then that day thinking all these ideas going around i, I did sort of yeah. think of this and think of this yeah. thing and this and then just got home and did this big brain dump into into todoist right. i've got all these all these to-do to-dos right the things i want to try and cover so right. um that, that was quite interesting probably with quite a lot of context mm -hmm. some of the less excuse me that's code things, mm -hmm. so like which test do I start with first? Right? So that became a bit more tangible. I think now I've got an actual sort of example of a, of a criteria. So um, I've, I've built most of, sort of the call for papers side of things, actually submitting submissions. And you can't submit multiple submissions. Uh, so I can't commit, can't submit after a closed date and multiple speakers and you know you can only submit submit sessions with which you are a speaker so just again taking these sort of little sort of acceptance criteria type mm, things mm -hmm. um yep. and it's surprising how sort of quick you can get so okay i've got this uh, little thing i need to do and you know uh, i'll start start by writing some tests for that thing and go from there awesome um, so yeah it's 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 i'm building that up again sort of slowly mm -hmm. um i think i've gone up I think it's like 110, 12 people or something. But a couple of new signups after Drupal Camp in London. Right. Um, so it's I need to start sending out some updates and things, even if it's just, you know, I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, it's been something I want to do for a while. Yeah. And, you know, just to say, help everybody else sort of come up to speed a bit more on yeah. testing if, if they need to. Yeah. And ha if, if any of the audience here wants to um, join the mailing list, what, what's the, what's the URL? I go to testdrivendrupal.com. Testdrivendrupal.com. Yeah. And that'll just go to the landing page on my site. That's where I sort of cover a little bit of what the intended sort of list is going to be. It's going to do a bit of updating on that now. now. I think I've settled on the conference theme, make it a bit more contextual. Uh, and there's just yeah, a, a form at the bottom. Excellent. But you can put your email address in yep. and you'll get added to the MailChimp list and start setting out some updates. Wonderful. Wonderful. Updates soon. I will put the link in the show notes below. Um, Thank you very much. That, that's fantastic, um, Oliver. Is there is there anything else that you want to discuss? Is there any social media links that you want to throw out there? So you can go to my website. Um, it's oliverdavis.uk. Right. Um, so yeah, I 
blog there quite a lot about you know, sort of Drupal, PHP, uh, Git, testing, Tailwind, CSS, Vue.js, you know, whatever I'm still working on at the time. Uh, I'm yeah, OP Davis mm-hmm. on you know, Twitter, GitHub, Drupal.org, pretty much everywhere. So yeah, follow me on on those places. Uh, if you're in the area, come to PHP Southwest. Yes. Uh, got meetups we do every month, and, and the Drupal Bristol meetups. Um, I'm normally at you know both of those events, and I'm go I go around to all the other ones. <laughs> so um, yeah, if you see me at an event, uh, PHP meetup, conference, Drupal camp, DrupalCon, yeah. say hi. That'd be that'd be awesome. Awesome, awesome. Oh. Check well, out Microserve. <laughs> Microserve, Microsurf, yeah, yeah, yeah. Microserve.io. Microserve.io. Uh, Drupal specialist, development agency based in Bristol. Well, thank you ever so much, Oliver, for coming on the show. I know that you're super busy, and um, it's uh, we're we're both in the UK, and it's it's gone past. Uh, well, it's quite late, so <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate but, you coming on and speaking about Drupal. Well, thank you ever so much. Me. That's all right. It's like long long time listener, first time contributor. Oh. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for watching on the YouTubes and also listening on the podcasts. Happy coding, everyone, and I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye.